Greetings, Earthlings. And Jesus Christ. Earthlings. <laughs> and welcome back to another episode of Controllers and Couches. I am one part of the synopsis. Um, full metal, uh, feathered, um, two-legged chicken thingy. And I'm Steph. The same one. <laughs> and you are currently listening to the, the dolce tones of sound. Hi guys, how are you doing today? Um, probably like they're suffering from the last episode because I think my my voice just, you know, just trailed on and on and on and on and on and on and on. Just like Dale and Jimmy, you know, in the back paddock. <laughs> oh, Jesus. With a shovel and a cow. So. What's been cracking since the last episode? <laughs> yeah, that we recorded 24 hours ago. Yeah. Um... I want to talk about this weather because it's shit. It's shizen. Yesterday you said it was 30 degrees. Yeah, it was literally 30 degrees. It was sunshine on the pops and rainbows. I did a few loads of washing and they all dried within 90 minutes. Yeah. A full, completely packed um, clothesline. Didn't even need to rotate clothes. And today it's 15, not that I'm complaining, I prefer cooler weather, but it's 15 degrees and very windy. Is it going to rain? I don't know. But I don't understand the disparity between 30 degrees one day and half that temperature the next. It's just how the rolls, you know, happen. But we're supposed to get this weather in September, not October. I think everything, even like the weather was in quarantine. I honestly don't blame it. Or what happens if all this time they've been cloud seeding and shit? I'm actually glad we're recording slightly earlier than we normally would because apparently there's going to be a massive thunderstorm Sweet. at 6pm. So uh, batten down the hatches. Lucky midnight already happened earlier in the week because the bins would go bye-bye. Yeah. But also too, talking about going bye-bye, you watched me try and C4 a vehicle last night. You saw me throw the C4, detonate the C4 and nothing happened until they'd gone past then it exploded. You want to know something more frustrating? I have to do had to do this ribbon for season six where you have to only do three uh, executions, and for three hours, every time I went to execute somebody, a teammate, aka Michael, yeah, would kill the enemy before I could complete or lock onto the execution. Yep. Oh yeah. Um, and I was not a very happy camper. And then it also made me realise where... So it took me pretty much forever to get to Juggernaut. I finally... <laughs> I, I do drop zone and I get a, a Juggernaut. Like, straight away. First go. And it's like, are you kidding me? Because now... But I guarantee you, as you said, there's going to be the challenge at the, somewhere further down where there's... Let me have a look. To get the Juggernaut and I you know, won't get a chance to do it again. It was frustrating to say, you know, to no end. I'll have a look at what they are. Because um, Cod Tracker, I think, has the updated list. It's probably like calling 10 juggernauts or something. No, no jugs. Ugh, great. Um, how many vehicle kills, though? 40 vehicle crashes kill 15 vehicles. Which isn't too bad if you go into multi, I guess, and you just do, like, the VTOLs and stuff. Yeah. Um, but yeah, so that is that. Um, 
yeah, do you want to do quiz first? Yeah, let's do the quiz. Because heaven forbid I forget to do the quiz. Yep, we've got to do the quiz. Uh, today's selected quiz is the colour of your aura. <laughs> we're, uh, it... we're really running low on autumn co- on uh, Halloween content. Is it orange? Is determined by how you cut this pumpkin. Well, allegedly there is this technology. I don't uh... necessarily believe it. Um, but it's a form of photography where uh, it lets you see, like it captures the colour of your aura. Interesting. Um, personally, I reckon yours is a blue one, like a bluey green, like a sea foam. Yeah. I definitely think mine is red. Mm, interesting. I wonder what kind of photography they use. Uh, I had to read. I read. It, I didn't have to read about it, but I want. But I did read. So is it like a specific type of camera too? I'm assuming it would be. Uh, let me tell you. Uh, according to Wired magazine, it was it's good art, bad science. Oh, okay. So when they take photos of your aura, it looks alleged. <laughs> it looks like this. So it's like you and a color around you, right? Oh. Like an overexposure. So it looks like overexposure and heat dispersion. Yes, but according to Wired magazine, which is a lot more reputable than Goop. Guinness yeah. <laughs> Paltrow, whatever the fudge your name is. Yeah. Um, apparently, some Russian person, uh, a scientist, Semyon Kirun, uh, accidentally discovered it in 1939 by placing a photographic plate connected to a source of voltage produce an image of that object surrounded by some mysterious energy. So it's similar to putting your hand on a plasma sphere of, you know, the pink lightning like you do at science works and stuff, yeah. like the kitty static energy shit. Yep, yep. Um, it's called Kilun photography. Mm-hmm. Um, so basically, the charge of whatever it is you're putting on the plate is the colour the aura is going to be. Yeah. Is, I guess, the scientific explanation um, but they take 10 second double exposure images um, and you have to put your hand on one of these plates. And so that's how it's supposed to find yours specifically. So your electrical current, technically your biorhythm, could be captured yeah. in that if they connected it to your heart yeah. or your brain. Yeah. Because um, you don't have that many much biorhythm. Like you could capture your pulse and stuff. Possibly, but... Theoretically through your hand and salinity and stuff, but I don't know how, you know... Interesting concept, though. So the idea of it is cool. I'm not saying that it's a legitimate science. It's a fringe science, an unproven fringe science. But um, yeah. apparently, like, <sighs> there's a whole thing on um, what colour means what. Um, let me find a table. Because red's supposed to... Right, so red is traditionally strength, willpower, new beginnings, leadership, action, passion. Um, you have low energy. Orange is like creative, confident, independent, collaborative. Uh, you've got people skills. You love a challenge. You're emotionally aloof. Um, and you're like... Those people are typically entrepreneurs or salespeople, so people who work with large teams. If you're tan, you're uh, detail-oriented. And also, tan is not politically correct. No. It just say 
like peach yeah. or something. Um, so detail-orientated, logical, strategic, um, and structural things, so kind of like engineers. Yellow is optimistic, enthusiastic, open-minded. Hold on, I'll send you this list too. I can link it in our documents as well before I forget. It's there at the top if you want to look at it too. Um, then uh, yellow is optimistic, so open atmosphere where you're comfortable being yourself. Green is more like growth, determination, goal-orientated person, bit of a perfectionist. Um, they don't have any jobs recommended. <laughs> For green people um blue is trust devotion loyalty nurturing so it's very like earthy supportive um you're very connected to things around you purple is visionary unconventional playful non-judgmental um and they recommend you keep a journal if you're purple yeah white is high consciousness um you're more in touch with destiny and cosmic wisdom so, like, white is what you're supposed to aspire to be. Yeah. Um, and that's what I'm saying, like, allegedly your aura can have several colours and where the colours are around you represents, like, so the more you have of one colour, um, the more you are towards that kind of personality. Yeah. And that sort of thing. And it also depends on where around you the polarity is. Allegedly, again, I'm not saying this is legitimate, but let's get back to the quiz. Yep, yep. Um, first, pick your pumpkin. So we've got a massive rounded carving pumpkin. Carving pumpkin squash thingy. There's yeah. one. Um, uh, teeny, teeny bopper one. Small one sitting one. on a Stem. bench. There's one sitting like in a like a photo shoot room. Yeah, a much more traditional looking Kent pumpkin, dare I say. Yeah, and um, another one on a hay bale. That oh. looks a lot more squashy. Yeah, I'm gonna go for a top left. Same, a more traditional looking carving pumpkin. And um, what kind of face will your pumpkin have? A smiley one, a scary one, a sad one, a funny one? Um, I'm going to go for a scary one. Same, I thought that's the reason why you carve out pumpkins. Um, and so pick your eyes, you've got sort of two... That will be like happy looking eyes. Happy looking eyes. Then you've got one that looks like cat eyes. Yep. It's just staring. Then you've got like a like two little pizza eyes. Yeah. <laughs> And then you've got two uh, look like triangles. triangles. Um, I'm going to go for the cat eyes. I'm going to go for, yeah, cat eyes. Now pick your nose. Pick your schnoz. Pick your schnoz. There's looks like, like a, a planchette. <laughs> yeah, it looks like a pig nose, like that sort of. Oh, you know, the, tr the Star curved, Trek yeah. emblem. Curved with triangle. Yep. Upright triangle, downright triangle, or, or no down nose. Triangle. I'm going to go no nose because I thought it's not supposed to have a nose. So it was like. Massive eyes. Yeah. Massive smile. Yep, no nose. Uh, pick your mouth. So you've got... Like an upside down mouth. Yep. With like almost like a frown. And then a small with two, one. With three teeth. And then a small open one, like a ho 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 yeah. one. A massive wide grin, big gaping mouth, like a traditional looking one with three teeth. Yep. And then uh, lots of teeth. Yeah. Wow. I'm going to go for the lots of teeth. The more sinister looking grin. Yeah, see, because at this point I'm, we, I'm going the same, so... It's alright. Go with what you want. Yeah. And then 
finally pick a place to display it. So you've got the porch, you've got the window, you've got the garden, and then you've got the backyard. Can Tell me why there's a picture of a kitchen where it says garden. I don't know. So do they mean kitchen? They kitchen. might mean kitchen. I think they mean kitchen because whatever they've done this one, they've stuffed it up and like <laughs> put... Wow. Um, yeah, rustic vegan. Well, they stuffed that, that, that garden up. <laughs> wow. Okay, so I'm going to go for the porch. Same. Damn. So, red aura. Yep. Your red aura means you're a very passionate, loyal, and friendly person. You have a wild heart and spread love around like nobody's business. Yay. It is what it is, fam. There you go. Right on. Right on. Something that is not right on, but also with the theme red, uh, the Dexter announcement yeah, that was made so today. Yeah, so there's a new Dexter series that's coming out. Dexter Morgan is back. And, you know, as they say, everyone's favourite American serial killer uh, is back. So it's going to be interesting to see where they follow it up on. Um, Allegedly, it's going to be a 10-episode limited series. He's going to reprise his role. Production is set to begin in winter of 2020, meaning like November, December, sorry, December, January, February. Uh, and it's going to premiere in fall 2021, which is more like October. Please ignore that. Hope everyone's okay. Yep, yep. Um, so about October next year is I'm guessing they'll probably do some Halloween thing because isn't that when the next season of Stranger Things is supposed to come out? Uh-huh. So it'll probably go head to head be uh, an interesting uh, listing. Are so. you excited? For, I never watched the series. I have a friend who said I should. Um, but you watched it all, didn't you? I watched bits and pieces of it. Um, I just kind of got caught up watching other things. But uh, So you know about the ending, obviously. Yeah, like I know about the, the ending. I had ending. it all you know, spoiled for me, so I know. Generally, you know, that was the big thing. Everyone was talking about it, so I was like... So hmm. you excited for this? Like, if they fix it? You think they'll fix it or think they'll botch it? Botch it. Yeah. I'm more interested in the new Stargate. Oh, there's a new Stargate. Apparently there's a new Stargate series. So, yeah, I'm uh, looking forward to that. Because I'm a big Stargate fan. Um, Obviously, the the first movie, that was pretty cool. And then it just all stemmed out from there. But, you know, Stargate and Dexter are two completely different things. And also, I suppose, with everything that's going on in Egypt at the moment, with all these, like, oh, yeah, let's just uh, open up all these uh, sarcophagi. You know, brilliant. Um, you know, there's bound to be something going on. So what are they calling it? I don't know. All I know is that they're going to be releasing a new series or a new movie or something. These familiar faces if the series moves forward. Yeah. I could be wrong. But I'll definitely know that we'll get more Star Trek before we get Stargate. But, uh, yeah, Richard Dean Anderson looks really old now. Maybe it'll be, do they have captains, emeralds, like they do in Star Trek? I don't know. Yeah, they do. So, um, we're not going to spoil this, but we're going to talk about, just briefly, non-spoilery, okay? Haunting of Bly Manor. Well, I liked it, but I didn't like it. Um, there was a haunting, but not much haunting. Um, there was a manor, which was actually a manor. Um, I liked the gardens. The gardens were nice. Not as spooky as I thought the gardens would actually be. They went through different lighting effects, which was good. The um, Let's see. 
obviously with the haunting you have ghosts like you wouldn't you know not go into a haunting series and expecting no ghosts so the good thing is there there are ghosts um if you want something that's if you think it's going to be as creepy and jump scary and um in your face as series one was you're going to be a bit let down yeah it's a different kind of take um I will say that the second last episode, in my opinion, is the best. Yeah. I, and that's all I will say about it. If I had to give it a scale out of 10, I would honestly have to say about a 4. I'd give it probably about a 6. We, not because we're those kind of people, we didn't Google, but um, we literally picked out where it was going. Yeah. Within the first 30 minutes of the episode. Like, oh, great. Here we go. So it wasn't... You know how we said... Like, I, I distinctly remember us saying that the uh, Haunting of Hill House dragged. Yeah. This one needed to be four or five episodes tops. Like, the nine was unnecessary. And it just dragged on and on and on. Took forever to get through. But um, I'm glad we got through it. I'm glad it's over. <laughs> but um yeah all right any other we haven't watched anything else to review have we that um there's um some other horror movies that i think it'd be interesting to to check out however they've all got really really bad ratings um what ones i'll have to there's um the turning um which was this year uh also ghost wars or the ghost sorry ghost of war um we watched um, Doctor Sleep. I like Doctor Sleep, as we discussed, um, and we also watched Fantasy Island, which was not bad. Not bad. Um, so I reckon yeah. Invisible Man was the best horror movie we've watched this year. Yeah, that was a good one. And also we watched The Grudge too. The one that came out, not the Netflix one. The yeah. Um, yeah. yeah. But um, yeah, it'd be interesting to see what else comes out because. Yeah, I, I just want like a really, really, you know... Halloween, get it together. But I reckon one day they are going to bring out a movie that is just off the chain. Yeah, Saw, allegedly. Not so much Saw. Like, Saw is just... <laughs> I've never watched a Saw Saw is just to keep it like that gore way. and lots of it. It's not really super... It's not, There's no supernatural. It's just... Horror. That's like, I get that not every horror movie has or show has to have... Supernatural themes. Yeah. Right? I get at some point you just want the madman like Michael Myers to come into... Yeah. Oh my god, we completely forgot about it. Slash Street Boys. Yes. Yeah. Um, Slash Street's back, alright. No, they did... That's not the, that's not the parody <laughs> they did this year. What are you talking no. about? No. The one they did, I'll Kill You That Way. That one's my favourite. Not last year's, the one before that. Yeah. Um, Die By My Knife. Yeah. They did... So... Um. Yeah, I'd go that one because they did as long as your bloody last year. So I'm gonna go 2018, 2020, then 2019. I think, in terms of I sing, um, I'll kill you that way more than I sing. I'll, I'll I want it that way. To be honest, I've played every few weeks. Also, interesting fact though. Um. The movie, The Turning, is... Okay, here's the thing. I only just realised it now. 
the haunting of Bly Manor, the turning is actually they're different takes on the same story, which is oh. the turn of the screw by Henry James. Okay. So it's a a different when was the take. Book published. Um, turn. Nine, uh, 1898 it's like 1898 fair enough but uh, yeah the series is a little I think a little bit better than this one okay yeah I'm happy to watch the movie if we can find it in terms of um... but seeing you know what sort of happens in this one uh is obviously going to be different, but less, you know, scary, I guess. But, you know, uh, there's a few other ones, like, uh, obviously... The rain prediction just went up from what I said before to 83. Woo! Humidity's going through the roof. It's going to be at at just before 6pm, they're saying now, about 5. So, we better get on with it. Yep, getting on with it. Um, You know, yesterday, how we were talking about... Well... It was yesterday for us, but it was the last episode for you guys. How I was talking about um, Christmas sales and how I bet you we're probably not... um, That we're probably spending more money shopping online than people would have been spending in stores anyway. Yeah. Remember how I was talking about that? I did some digging and I found some um, stuff about it, actually. And coincidentally, (laughs) someone from Chadston which is Victoria's, like, premier shopping centre, um, It someone leaked the COVID-19 Christmas shopping plan. Oh, boy. Right? So uh, Neil, Mitchell, Neil Mitchell, who's, like, one of Victoria's big... Not, not only the country, but in, a, in Victoria, he's one of the biggest. Um, he was sent it. They're no long, they normally do a 34-hour trade period up until um, pretty much like 11.59 Christmas Eve or yep. whatever it is. They're not doing that um, this year. And he actually put up the whole, um, I think it was four, five pages, like a PDF. No, nine pages, I'm sorry. And so what it is is the Chadston Shopping Centre, the owners have put together this nine-page document that's going out to every single retail store within the shopping centre, right? So the Maya, the David Jones, the Typo, the Rebel Sport, everyone, right? The Dusk, the Bath and Body Works. Everyone is getting this nine-page document. So it's like the cover saying, your guide to reopening COVID-19 retailer handbook, Chadston, the fashion capital. And then the um, contents page is like centre update, safety highlights, social distancing, queue management, trading hours, parcel concierge, uh, free online training, operational considerations, COVID-19 protocols, and obviously key contacts. Um, so pretty much they're saying that the, the Chadston team is committed to supporting stores through recovery. They're saying that it's the centre's responsibility for physical and digital signage about social distancing. They're putting in floor decals and um, social distancing reference points. If you're um, being antisocial, disrespectful, or if you're breaching social distancing, they're going to have people there to kick you out. Yeah. Um, they are going to put, you know how they normally play music and stuff? 
in shopping centers, they're going to have updated um, audio messages and audio recordings about safety and awareness. They're going to have increased amount of security officers and police that not only would patrol like they would have done last year and every year before that, but double as many to reinforce social distancing. They're going to keep an eye on customer density, queuing guidelines. Um, there's going to be manned sanitation stations. Uh, Obviously, with more people, you have to have more sanitization and that kind of thing. So they're going to increase all of that. They're going to provide hand sanitizer at all entrances, which is nothing new because I believe that that was made mandatory months yeah. ago. Um, obviously, they're going to keep the face mask and covering entry requirements, they're saying, um, and best practice and support for their retailers. But now it's the retailer responsibility to reconfigure their store to enable social distancing where possible. They have to provide their own signage within the store itself, which makes sense. Each store is in charge of how many customers are in that store at any given time. It's like controlling numbers. Um, they want the stores themselves individually to have their own procedures for like touching and trying on items. Like when I worked in Miller's, it was a nut house. Yeah. You'd have literally on Christmas Eve and also... Um, like a week or two before, like a few days before Mother's Day, you would have up to 20 women waiting in a line to change, right? And yeah. they're all wearing, because you only have like one or two of every size, at most three for like size 14, 15, sorry, 14, 16, and 18. Yeah. And so you're ch swapping the same three garments around until someone takes it out of circulation so they're buying it, right? Yeah. So how are they going to manage that? Are they just going to spray it with sanitizer, like well, air spray? Well, and then you're going to have to worry about is it going to damage the, the fabric? Yeah. Um, window signage, floor decals within the store is part of their, you know, the store itself. And again, cleaning the store, hand sanitizer within the store. Everyone has to have contactless payment. Yeah. Um, use of a virtual queuing platform. Uh... And then they put out this social distancing queue management. So what they're saying is there are areas within, um, like the common areas of the mall. So you'd say like it runs parallel to David Jones and Maya. Yeah. People are allowed to queue there. There's going to be a virtual queue around some part of it, like that connects Dave, like them to the big shopping, like the supermarkets. And then there are going to be areas that are going to make sure that no people are queuing whatsoever and so this is a massive like we went once to chadston five years ago i think yep and we were there for an hour and we made it through a tenth of the ground floor yeah it was a joke so it's a crazy we didn't buy anything we we're just there to have a look because we were like oh my god why do people need to come here for that amount of time. Um, so yeah, they have released their October and November. Um, so they look to be from the 27th of November onwards. They're going to largely be from 8am to midnight, like the last week of October. Sorry, the last week of November. Um, and then they're going to return to like normal trade, except they extend on Sundays. And then every other week they're going to extended by two hours yeah. until you get to the 21st of December where they're going to be running from 8am to midnight um, and then the 22nd is 8am to midnight, 23rd is 8am to 1am on the 24th 
and then they're closing up on 6 p.m. on the 24th of December. Christmas Day close. Boxing Day is going to be 6 a.m. to 11 p.m. I don't even know why I'm covering this as if we're going to be interested in going because we're not, but I'm just saying, like, it's, people are going to go regardless. Yeah, they, they, they don't care. They, um, they'll just keep doing it. They're just going to keep, you know, they want, to, they want to go out. People are at the point now where they just want to go out. They hate social distancing. They hate being contained. They think they're trapped. Also, when you've spent 65% of the year in quarantine, people are getting very, very narky. Now, obviously, you've got extroverts, you've got introverts, you've got people who want to go out and do everything, and there's people who are just happy and, you know... Uh, I'm happy to follow by the rules. Yeah. But, can I just say, as someone who hasn't gone out, I would like just to be able to get in the car, go for a drive, right? I won't even leave the car. I'll stay in the car the whole time just to go for a drive and come home and that's it. Yeah. But. That's it. That's all I do. But anyway, um, but the reason why I brought it up is because if that's what Chadston's doing, you don't think that every other shopping centre around I is going to do it? I think they might, um, just dependent. But, you know, if worst case scenario, the shit hits the fan, everything will just get shut down again. Do you reckon they will? Yeah. It'll be a third way. <laughs> um, anyway, um, so the reason why I was bringing this up is because originally what I was looking for was, um, you know how we were talking about, oh, I think people are going to spend more money, have spent more money online than they would have in stores this whole quarantine, right? Yep. So, um, dude, I was shocked. You were shooketh. Yeah. Apparently, um, stores have been experiencing, well, like stores that are online from, you know, this whole COVID thing, right? Yeah. Even though they're in a retail setting, like physical store, they have been experiencing Christmas-like volumes for the last eight months, but they're still expecting to have a massive period. Jeez. Like they would have if it was a physical store. Um, they're expecting Black Friday and Cyber Monday to boost and that's really going to kick off like the Christmas sales. I think that that's what a lot of people are going to be hanging around for. Yeah. Um, so it's going to be insane. Uh, Australia Post came out and said, look, this is going to be our busiest season ever. We encourage you to start planning ahead, especially if you're going to be shopping um, online. And they're going to say, they're saying that uh, within the next two, three weeks, there's going to be an uptake of 90%. So, you know how we're already higher than our normal online shopping? Yep. It's going to go up another 90%. Great. It's going to be bad. Yeah. And so, then you're going to ask me, all right, so what are we... Hold on. Uh, um, so... Apparently, e-commerce thus far in the last few months, in New South Wales, it went up 51%. In Victoria, it went up 173%. Gee. Right? So they're expecting it to go up another 90% on top of the 173. That's massive. 
like that is ridiculously massive. So exactly like I said to you, yeah. they're not losing money from no, this. No, they're not. If anything, they're making more money. Making more. And here's the thing. Anyone who's been unable to adapt their business model has been forced to close up shop. Everyone yeah. else has picked up the extra traffic. So they can buy everyone else not being Yeah, on, and online. they've ended up actually profiting from it. Yeah. Because you think about it, if the market is there, they're the only ones in the market, everything is, you know, benefiting. You've got them. no one else to no take your customers. Yeah. This has permanently changed how Australia, how especially shop. Victoria, yeah. now shocks. Exactly. Exactly. So, yeah, that, to me, that was absolutely shocking. Like, I thought at most it would have doubled. You know what I mean? Like, at Christmas time, it would double. I didn't realize it had, you know, nearly doubled now before christmas came along yeah so when is black friday it's no normally november isn't it black friday cyber monday um 27th of november so they've got like a month and a week to get it together i guess potentially but and you know the thing is is everyone will have to continue shopping online because the stores still have easter stuff in them so all the stuff that people want, yeah, isn't like in. It might be in the state, but it's in warehouses. It's not actually in the store, and they're not going to pay pay the staff to strip stores. No, and put stuff in. No, for it's, Christmas. It's all specific. just there, so you know they're going to just have sales on because they need to clear the stock. Otherwise, they've just lost all that stock. Yep. So they need to still make money on it. Oh boy. Oh boy. So yeah. Yeah. That's sorry, I was like really interested in it after we spoke about it last episode. So I was like, ooh, I'm gonna get some facts. Oh yeah, all them facts. <sighs> Alright, are we ready for the main topic? Yeah, let's sorry. punch it. Right, I'm just gonna have a of water. A sip a sipple of water. A sipple. Okay, dokes. <clears throat> and now time for the main event. Yes. All right. So, um, uh, heads or tails, are you, which side of the field do you want? Are you starting first half or second half? Uh, you go first half. We haven't flew. <laughs> okay. Um, so, today we're going to be talking about the Dybbuk box. The Dybbuk box. There is a lot to unpack here, but also not a lot at the same time. Um... Do we talk about the movie now or later? Later. Do we talk about the whole tr- unboxing trend now or later? Later. Okay. So, I have to kind of give you the ABCs again, and I'm sorry that I have to do that. But a dibic, first of all, in Jewish mythology, a dibic, um, it, if you translate it from Hebrew, it means like adhere or cling. So, you can already see where this is going. Yeah. Um, it's a malicious possessing spirit believed to be the dislocated soul of a dead person. The fact that they used dislocated in that definition scares me. I would have preferred disconnected. Yeah. As opposed to dislocated. Yeah, poor choice of words. Um, but the fact that they use the word dislocated gives a different context to that word for me. And for some reason that scares me more. Yeah. So supposedly, um... This possessing spirit leaves the host's body once it's accomplished its goal. 
sometimes after being helped. So it needs to be assisted. Yes. So the Dibbert box is a haunted wine cabinet. It's one of the... A lot of people say it's one of the top 10 most haunted items in history. And then people say it is the most. Right? But I thought that was... Robert the Doll and Annabelle. Yeah. So I don't know. So I'm going to go with saying that it's one of the top 10 most haunted items in history. I'm not saying that I believe in that stuff. I'm just saying it's been given a title that I don't have control over and I'm just telling you what that title is while I'm yeah. talking about this story. Got it? Got okay. It. So the dimensions of the box itself. To me, I pictured something small. Boy, was I wrong. Can I get a tape measure? To show you, I have one here, handy dandy. Yep, yep. All right. So I'm going to give it the American numbers first because that's how it was read to me. <laughs> that's why I read it first. Um, and then, so then I'll give it the um, centimeters for everyone else. How's that? So it's 12.5 inches by 7.5 inches by 16.25 inches. So we're talking about something. That is oh, this. Yeah. Right, so that's tall. That's tall. That's almost half my height. Yeah. Two thirds of my height. Yeah. And I'm not a short lady. Right? Sorry, because if I don't do this, I can't visualize. Bye. This, sorry, that's that way. Yeah, so that's deep. Right? Depth. And then, this is the scary one. This. That's how wide it is. Yeah. So, it's, It ain't tiny. It ain't tiny, that's more like a closet. Yes, so, when it says wine cabinet, it is half the size of a kitchen wall unit. Yeah. That's <laughs> literally. Yeah, it's it, huge. It's taller than our. It's taller than our kitchen wall unit. Right. Yeah. That's how I. So you think that that's you just read the numbers on a page and you think, oh yeah, that's fair enough, and then you actually measure it and you go, that's actually. A fair size. That is a very fair size. <laughs> right? So I kind of, when I was researching this and I did what I just showed you, um, it's a fair amount. Yeah. Anyway. It's, it's pretty damn big. So a lot of this, all of this story, is testimony uh, from the original owners and people who were in between the original owners to Zach Baggins, who currently owns the box. Um... If you don't know who Zach Baggins is, we've spoken about him a lot. We have a few bones to pick, but we appreciate his business. Yeah. Yes, we do. <laughs> We're fans. Um, he, as you know, has the his haunted museum, and he actually purchased it. And we actually watched the quarantine edition on the uh, Dipic Box, didn't we? Yes, we did. Again, I'm not saying it's legitimate science. I'm not saying that his evidence is, in fact, evidence. I'm just telling you research you've done so this have you heard of web archive before yes 
So do you want to give the listeners a brief rundown on what WebR Chrome is without Googling? Yeah. See, I yeah, gotta, he says as he types. Okay, I, I gotta, so basically, Web Archive is like a way back is a wave back machine. So if you have, uh, for example, in our case, we're going to be talking about an old eBay listing, right? That listing may not is no longer on eBay itself, but someone's used a way back machine to look at eBay that day, that yeah. point in time, and has that listing, right? You can do a lot of things for like YouTube news articles and stuff so even if the original one is gone it's on a way back machine yeah right so i apologize because what i'm about to tell you we're gonna t- oh, damn it took away all my dot points don't you hate that bullshit <sighs> um because i i type notes in a different page and document and then i carry it over because after and then I, I don't know what happened. But anyway, it doesn't matter. All the notes are there. It's just not in dot points. So anyway, three quarters of them, what I'm about to tell you came from the one source being the original eBay listing. Yep. Okay. Um, so that's what we're going to go through first. So sit down, buckle up, keep your arms, your limbs and appendages inside the vehicle at all times. The winning bidder won... For 280 US bucks, there were 51 bids. The starting bid was a dollar. Right, and now this is where it's going to start getting worse. So here's a picture of the box. Can you describe it to me and the listeners? So this... Why isn't it loading? Okay, so it literally looks like a bedside table. Except it's a mini cupboard. Yeah, so... Uh, is so it not working for you? This is computing. Okay, so think of it this way. It's like a, a wine cabinet. Say, this one is... It's like oaky, like oak, Like mahogany-ish. Uh, it's got... looks like a, like a goldish brass handle. Drawer at the bottom. From the bottom. But it just looks... Like an antique. Like an antique. Or something from the 70s or 80s that's been beat around a lot. Yeah. Right? So, I'm going to have a drink of water because we're about to get shit-faced. Yeah. Okay. Well, all of the events that I'm about to set forth in this listing are accurate and may be verified by the winning bidder with the copies of hospital records and sworn affidavits that I'm including as part of the sale of the cabinet. Now, I'm sorry, but if I read that when I was making an eBay purchase, I would say, no, thank you. Yeah. At the point at which you have to give me a hospital record for my item? No. No. Yes, you're going to say something. What were you going to say? All I'm saying is, (laughs) you look at it and kind of go... Oh, well, there's a cabinet here. Um, no one will want this. It looks pretty dilapidated. Um, it's only probably going to be worth 20, 30 bucks. How do I spin this to get, you know, a few hundred to generate interest? Okay. Gotcha. I, I'm not saying you're wrong, but I can't verify you're right at the same time. You know what I mean? Yeah. But I hear what you're saying. The winning bidder will also be able to contact 
most of the persons mentioned herein for the purposes of verification, corroboration, and to gain insight into the full scope of whatever it is. And this is where I don't like the direction they took from it, but I have to talk about it. During September of 2001, I attended an estate sale in Portland, Oregon. The items liquidated at this sale were from the estate of a woman who has passed away at the age of 103. I want you to remember that because right at the end we're going to talk about the estate sale. Yeah. Mm -hmm. uh, extended universe. Yeah. Can you remind me when I get to that point? Yep. A great-granddaughter... Sorry. Yes. A granddaughter of the woman told me that her grandmother had been born in Poland where she grew up, married raised a family, and lived until she was sent to a Nazi concentration camp during World War II. So again, that part may be true. If it's not, it is a very, very dog move. Yeah. Disrespectful. Yeah. To tie in a story like that for your own financial gain. Yeah. If it's incorrect. If yeah. he's, in fact, doing what you... Think where it's just trying to make some bucks on a piece of furniture. She was the only member of her family who survived the camp. Her parents, brothers, a sister, husband, two sons, and a daughter were all killed. She survived the camp by escaping with some other prisoners, somehow making her way back to Spain. Sorry, somehow making her way to Spain, where she lived until the end of the war. I was told that she acquired the small wine cabinet listed here in Spain, and it was one of only three items that she brought with her when she immigrated to the United States. The other two items were a steamer trunk and a sewing box. So a steamer trunk is like a suitcase, yeah. except it would be one that typically a lady would pack when she was traveling, and how would a lady pack when she was travel, you know, travel when she'd go on a train? Yeah. And so it had to fit, you know, in the... In a train ca carriage. Um, so that's why it's called a steamer trunk. Yeah. I purchased the wine cabinet along with the sewing box and some other furniture at the estate sale. After the sale, I was approached by the woman's granddaughter who said, I see you got the Dybbuk box. She was referring to the wine cabinet. I asked her what a Dybbuk box was and she told me that when she was growing up, her grandmother always kept the wine cabinet in her sewing room. It was always shut and set in a place that was out of reach. The grandmother always called it the Dybbuk box. When the girl asked her grandmother what was inside, the grandmother spit three times through her fingers and said, a Dybbuk and Cassillum. The grandmother went on to tell the girl that the wine cabinet was never, ever to be opened. Convenient. The granddaughter told me that her grandmother had asked that the dibbit box be buried with her. However, as such a request was contrary to the rules of an Orthodox Jewish burial, the grandmother's request had not been honoured. I asked the granddaughter what a dibbit was. She said she did not know. I asked if she would like to open it with me. She did not want to open it, as her grandmother had been very emphatic and serious when she instructed her not to do so, and, regardless of the reason, she wanted to honour her grandmother's request. 
I finally ended up offering to let her keep what seemed to be a sentimental keepsake. A family heirloom is, I guess, what he's trying to insinuate. Yeah. At that point, she was very insistent and said, No, no, you bought it. I explained that I didn't want my money back and that it would make me feel better to do what I thought was an act of kindness. She then became somewhat upset. Looking back now, the way she became upset was just plain odd. She raised her voice to me and said, You bought it. You made a deal. Oh, gee. So, to me, that makes me think that she's trying to get rid of the thing. Yeah, she just wants it gone. So, she wants a monetary value. So, the story goes with it. I don't think she wanted the story. I think maybe... She only told him what it was when he started asking questions. Yeah, so obviously, but, you know, there's a history. It'll make you think, oh, yeah, so it's something real. I, I can get the I resale get, value. Yeah, I get it. But even if it's real, like, I don't want to discount it being real. But what I'm saying is she's trying to get rid of the thing. If, the, in fact, this woman did does exist, did exist, this did occur, she wanted to get rid of it, which is understandable. When I tried to speak, she yelled, we don't want it. She began to cry asked me to leave, and I quick t- and she quickly walked away. I wrote the whole episode off to the stress and grief she must have been experiencing. I took my purchases and politely left. At the time when I bought the cabinet, I owned a small furniture refinishing business. I took the cabinet to my store and put it in my basement workshop where I intended to refinish it and give it as a gift to my mother. Right. And to me that makes sense. Like that... Out of the whole of the story I've read so far, to me, is the most plausible out of all of it. Yeah. Because you're at an estate sale and you run a furniture business. Yes. Right? So you want, you want resale. I don't know if he was worried about it. I don't know if he believed so much about what... Like, at that point, he didn't... We can know he didn't know what a Dybbuk was. Right? But... It makes sense why he'd be in this, at an estate sale because allegedly you can get items for very cheap, like cheaper than you would at a furniture store. Absolutely, and it's all about resale. That's for him, yes. Yeah. Yeah, he wants to make a profit. So anyway, I didn't think anything more about it. I opened my shop for the day and went to run some errands, leaving the young woman who did sales for me in charge. After about half an hour, whoops, I got a call on my cell phone from my salesperson. She was absolutely hysterical and screaming that someone was in my workshop, breaking glass and swearing. Furthermore, the intruder had locked the iron security gates and the emergency exit and she couldn't get out. I told her to call the police and my cell phone battery went dead. I hit speeds of 100 miles per hour getting back to the shop. When I arrived, I found the gates locked. I went inside and found my employee on the floor in the corner of my office, sobbing hysterically. I ran to the basement and went downstairs. At the bottom of the stairs, I was hit by an overpowering, unmistakable odour of cat urine. And then it has here in parentheses, there had never been any animals kept or found in my shop. (sighs) Um, The lights didn't work. As I investigated, I found that the reason the lights didn't work also explained the sounds of glass breaking. All the light bulbs in the basement were broken. All nine incandescent bulbs had been broken in their sockets, and ten foot four fluorescent tubes were lying shattered on the floor. I did not find an intruder. I should also add that there was only one entrance to the basement. 
it would have been impossible for anyone to leave without meeting me head on. I went back up to speak with my salesperson, but she had left. Which to me, you'd be like, if the police are coming, don't you have to give a statement? She'd never returned to work after being with me for two years. She refuses to discuss the incident to this day. I never thought of relating the events to that day to anything having to do with the cabinet. Then things got worse. As I already indicated, I had decided to give the cabinet to my mother as a birthday gift about two weeks after I made the purchase. I decided to start refinishing it. I was surprised to find that the cabinet has a unique little mechanism. When you open one of the doors, the mechanism causes the opposite door and the little drawer below to open at the same time. It is very well made. Inside the cabinet, I found the following items. One 1928 US wheat penny. One 1925 US wheat penny. One small block, sorry, one small lock of blonde hair bound with string. One small lock of black-brown hair bound with string. One small granite statue engraved and gilded with Hebrew letters that I've since been told spells out the word Shalom, which translated to English means peace. One dried rosebud, one golden wine cup, and one very strange black cast iron candlestick holder with octopus legs. As you do. I saved all of the items in the box, intending to return them to the estate. The family has refused the items, so they will be included in the sale of this cabinet. After opening the cabinet, I decided not to refinish it. I cleaned it and rubbed in some lemon oil. It was at this time that I noticed there was an inscription in Hebrew carved into the back of the cabinet. I have no idea what it says or if it's significant. I have included a picture of that inscription below. On my mother's birthday, the 20th of October 2001, my mother called to tell me that she was going out of town with my sister for three days, and we postponed celebrating her birthday together until she returned. And then as you do, she returned two days later. On Halloween! Oh yeah. On the 31st of October 2001. My mother came to my shop. Can you see where this is going? Yeah, yeah, I, I know where this is going. <laughs> okay, so I just needed to have a drink of water. We were going to have lunch together, but before we were going to leave, I gave her the wine cabinet. She seemed to like it. While she examined it, I went to make a phone call. I hadn't been out of sight for more than five minutes when one of my employees came running into my office saying that something was wrong with my mum. When I went back to see what the matter was, I found my mum sitting in a chair beside the cabinet. Her face had no expression, but tears were streaming down her cheeks. No matter how much I tried to get her to respond, she would not. She could not. It turns out that my mother had suffered a stroke. She was taken to the hospital by ambulance. She ended up suffering partial paralysis and losing her ability to speak and form words. And from memory, I'm pretty sure that's Broca's area. I can't believe the neuroscience has to, the scientist has to look this up. Yeah. So no, it's not Broca's area. It's the other one. 
Either way, it no, could no, have I just... know what it is. I know what it is. Vernicki's area. It's always that one. I've always forgotten it. Even in the freaking sacks. <laughs> anyway, so she had a stroke and it would have been on that side of the body, that region. Right? Yep. Allegedly, that's what he wants us to think. She since regained the ability to speak. She could understand things being said to her and could respond by pointing to letters of the alphabet to spell out words she wanted to say. When I asked her the following day how she was doing, she teared up and spelled out the words N-O-G-I-F-T. No gift. I assured her that I'd given her a gift for her birthday, thinking that she didn't remember, but she became even more upset and spelled out the words H-A-T-E-G-I-F-T. Hate gift. I laughed and told her not to worry. I told her I was sorry that she didn't like the cabinet and that I would give her anything she wanted if she promised to get well soon. Yep. Still, I didn't associate anything that had happened with the cabinet itself or anything paranormal. Frankly, I don't even think I've even used the term paranormal until last this month. Sorry, until this last month. I'll try to make this short now. <laughs> Jesus Christ. I gave the cabinet to my sister. <laughs> Uh, Could you imagine? Wow, like, oh no, like my mum's just had a stroke from this box. Woo, let's pass it around the family. Yeah. But... Could you imagine if the mother went to this daughter's house and saw the wine cabinet there and hadn't, like... Just imagine if, like, the mother had had a stroke, but it, she wasn't having a stroke. It was the fact that she'd been possessed. And then, like, she's in freezing mode or her soul had been taken out by the box and she was trying to communicate from the box but because it was limited words. This is the most extreme form of gift giving I think of, re-gifting that I think I've ever heard of. Oh, fucking crazy gift giving if you ask me. Re-gifting, I think. Oh my God. So then the sister has this box, right? And she complained that she couldn't get the doors to stay closed and they kept coming open. There are no springs in the door mechanism and I've never found that the doors came open. I gave it to my brother and oh. his wife, wow. who kept it for three days and then gave it back. My brother said it smelled like jasmine flowers, while his wife insisted that it put out an odour of cat urine. Ammonia? Yes, like in the store, right? Yeah. Um, however, his brother smells jasmine flowers. Oh... That's what I said, right? So it's so far. I don't. It only seems to like his brother. <laughs> yeah. Right. Or maybe like the 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 soul inhabiting the the box is a Once. female spirit. Okay. Yeah. That that could be plausible. Yeah. All right. So he hasn't regifted it to enough people. He's done his mother, his sister, his brother and sister-in-law. Right. The next door neighbor. No. And after his brother and sister-in-law have kept it for three whole days, they gave it back. So he says, you know who I haven't given it to yet? My girlfriend. Well, better give it to her. She asked me to sell it for her after only two days. I sold it the same day to a nice middle-aged couple. Three days later, when I opened the shop for the day, I found the cabinet sitting at the front doors with a note that read, This has a bad darkness. I had no idea what that meant. Anyway, I ended up taking it home. Then, things got even worse. <laughs> Jesus Christ. 
Since the day I brought it home, I began having a strange reoccurring nightmare. Every time I have the horrible dream, it goes something like this. I find myself walking with a friend, usually someone I know well and trust at some point in the dream. I find myself looking into the eyes of the person that I am with. It is then that I realise there is something evil looking back at me. At that point in my dream, the person I am with changes into what can only be described as the most gruesome, demonic-looking hag that I have ever seen. This hag proceeds then to beat the living tar out of me. I've awakened numerous times to find bruises and marks on myself where I've been hit by the old woman during the previous night. Still, I never related the nightmares to the cabinet, nor did I think that I ever would have. I'm sorry, but you've re-gifted it to one, two, three, four, four people before yeah. you decided to take it home. And at no point do you kind of go, it's the, okay. Yeah. Okay. About a month ago, however, my sister and brother and his wife came over to my house and spent the night. The following morning during breakfast, my sister complained that she had a horrible nightmare. She said that she recalled having had it a couple of times before and went on to describe my nightmare exactly to the last detail. My brother and his wife froze as they listened and then chimed in that they had seen the exact same dreams during the night as well. The hair was standing up on the back of my neck and still is. As we talked, it became clear that the common denominator was that each of us had the nightmare during the times that the um, box was in our respective homes. But you just said to me, everyone had the nightmare in your house. So which one is it? Yeah. You know what I mean? First he's saying they were all in my house and had the nightmare. And then he's saying everyone had the nightmare in their house, in, you know, in their own houses. I called my girlfriend and asked if she could recall having nightmares recently. She described the same nightmare, same hag, everything. When I asked her if she remembered the date when she had the nightmare, she said she did not. Then I asked if it happened to be the night before she gave me the cabinet back to sell for her. She said, yeah, how did you know that? Now then, since my family discussion, it seems like all hell is breaking loose. For a week afterwards, I started seeing what can, I can only describe as shadow things in my peripheral vision. In fact, numerous visitors to my, to my house have claimed that they have seen these shadow things. I put the cabinet in an outside storage unit and was awakened when the smoke alarm in this unit went off in the middle of the night. Now I want you to remember this storage unit and the smoke alarm. Yep. Because it comes pertinent to the story later. When I went to see what was burning, I opened the door and didn't see any smoke. However, I did get hit with the smell of cat urine. When I went back inside, the smell was there in my house. I do not own a cat and I never have. I went back outside and grabbed the cabinet. I brought it back inside. I wouldn't do that. Yeah. I brought it back inside and decided to research it on the internet. While I was surfing the net, I fell asleep and once again had the same freaking nightmare. I woke up around 4.30am when it felt and smelled like someone was breathing on my neck to find that my house now smelled like jasmine flowers. And just in time to see a huge shadow thing go loping down the hallway from me. 
Are you gonna call <laughs> Ghostbusters? <laughs> Sorry, <coughs> but Kevin. big loping thing like it's just like, oh, oh it's me, Daryl. <laughs> what do they have? Like a giant fucking Irish wolfhound or something? <laughs> called Skittles. I would destroy this thing in a second, except I really don't have any understanding of what I may or may not be dealing with. Oh, I see, he's... Okay. Your house is a demonic possession. Oh, excuse me, will I throw my slippers at it? No, but seriously, I don't think you'd be able to burn it because... What, yeah. would, what would the Winchester brothers do? Blow the house up. But I feel like they would have to do some sort of ritual first. Dunk it in a bag of salt. Pour some holy water on it. Say something over it. With a fire extinguisher. And then burn it, right? But see, the thing is, I feel like if the the entity was outside of the box when you burnt the box, it's all n- hell breaks blue. Well, think about it. That's my big There's the thing. vessel. You've, you've destroyed the vessel. The vessel has now been... Bye-bye. Wouldn't you want to destroy it in the vessel? Well, you want to destroy... Well, or you want to do the... what the? Well, here's the thing. Did you want to destroy the cage? Did you want the cage to stay So you intact? basically want to do what the Warrens did. Yeah. The, who were they? The, the, the Warrens? Elaine and... Yeah, yeah, yeah. Where you just pulled Zach Baggins... Yeah. <laughs> ...remake, and you just store it in your house. Yep. And then you raise your daughter in the house. Yep. Now, here's the thing, too. Like, that scenario. Similar to... Think of it like a sunken... Um, ship from like World War One or World War Two. Imagine the amount of munitions, spiritually speaking, are in that damn house. That's another topic for another Halloween. But year. this, like, oh, I've got this magical box. Oh, there's some stuff in here. Oh, you don't know the full story. Someone's talking shit, and now what it's turned into. Let's see how cool the Chinese whispers can go to make this story as awesome, as fantastic as possible to get the it's bidding. So now what's happening is, oh yeah, I want to get rid of it. 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 It's like, you know, exchanging a paperclip for a house. All right. Ready? Yep. I'm afraid, and I do mean afraid, that if I destroy the cabinet... Whatever it is that seems to have come with the cabinet may just stay here with me. I've been told that there are people who shop on eBay that understand these kinds of things. Oh my fucking god. Yeah, because there's just a fucking party on the astrophysical page. If Look, I don't recommend you check them out. But what I'm saying to you is if you do, I would recommend you do it in a private browser window. Yeah. That's all I'm going to say to you. And make sure you sign out of your eBay account when you do it. Yep, yep. And there is some really... We're going to get into it later on. But there is some really dark stuff on the metaphysical pages of eBay. If you're one of these people, please, please buy this cabinet and do whatever you, you do with a thing like this. Help me. You can see that I have no reserve price or minimum bid. If I can make things any easier, let me know and I'll do everything within my abilities. One more note. On the same day my mum had her stroke, the lease to my store was some summarily terminated without cause. Okay. So is he trying to say that his income yeah. is then going to be affected? Yeah. 
And then he goes on about the measurements, saying that they're 12.5 inches by 7.5 inches by 16.25 inches. And then in full capital letters says, All of the items that are originally found inside the cabinet are included in the sale and will be delivered with the cabinet. Mm. And then there's like a sectioned... It's split up with a couple of dashes. And it looks like a separate listing within the same listing. Yeah. Right? All it is, it's the same thing, but it's just been edited. Yeah. So what they're doing is they're, they're copy-paste. It's just copy-pasta with some alterations to make yeah. it... Oh, this is some nice pasta. I can have these spices. Yes. This so is now gonna, tailored. This one's a lot shorter. And I'm going to go through this one now. Right? It's part of the same listing, but it doesn't sound like it's part of the first listing. Yeah. Is what I'm saying. I bought the box from the first seller above in the eBay auction around the June of 2003. Out of So what I'm saying to you is they have the original listing. Yeah. They've copy-pasted the original listing. And, now they've just... and then they've put in the second description. Yeah, now right? it's ad-lib. So anyway... I bought the box from the first seller above in the eBay auction around June of 2003 out of curiosity about the, in quotation marks, haunted box. Yeah. After receiving a deluge of email about the box, I set up a website to answer some questions which I stopped updating in September and haven't updated to this day because I didn't want to talk about it to anyone. For the sake of information, I found that a dibbic in Jewish folklore, mythology, teaching, whatever, whatever. How dis are fucking speckful? is a misplaced spirit that can neither rise to heaven nor descend into hell, essentially stuck in limbo or purgatory. Here's another definition I found. 1. Jewish folklore. A demon that enters the body of a living person and controls the body's behaviour. Synonyms. Dybbuk. 2. Evil spirits that cause mental illness, rage, and changes of personality. Do you know what we call that? Call of Duty. I was going to go with something more <laughs> medical, but sure. <laughs> the spirit or soul of a dead person that inhabits the body of a living one with sometimes evil, sometimes positive results. Positive for who? But okay. So we're talking about an all-around possession here. Yeah. All right. If you believe in paranormal phenomena, the box contains or is possessed by at least one, Dybbuk, Possibly two. As a grandmother stated, a dibbuk and a keslem. Keslem is a term similar to a Turkish word that means priest. Yeah. This would probably correspond to the pair of wrapped strands of blonde and brown black hair. Okay. So they're saying that the demon has one set of hair and the priest is the other. And all I'm saying to you is, I find it quite difficult to imagine why... A priest would be locked in a box. And secondly, that those two powers didn't negate each other. Yeah. If banned in the same... But again, what do I know? I've just watched a few episodes of Supernatural. I am a metaphysical... Yeah. Whatever the hell the term would be, specialist. Yeah. The Hebrew carving on the back, to my knowledge, is a relatively common Jewish prayer. Hero Israel... The Lord is our God. The God is one. Blessed is the name of his honoured kingdom forever. Said frequently at times of fear, death, etc. I was doubtful of the haunted box, and I still don't believe in the paranormal. 
What happened in August and September is likely coincidental. So were related as originally wrote down in the log. How convenient you kept a log, hey? On Sunday the 31st of August 2003, over the last week some interesting and possibly coincidental items of note have come up. Firstly, I share a house with six other people. We've been taking turns sleeping with the box in each of our rooms. Two people are now complaining of burning eyes. One is listless and depleted of energy, and another became spontaneously sick. In retrospect, I would say it's allergies. A few days after these ongoing annoyances started, the air outside our house was filled with small bugs for several hours on a Friday. Weird summer stuff? Question mark. Last night, Saturday, we discovered that the box, now located in the back corner of the house, had come mostly open. They had been shut. So again, it's opening itself, just like it did for the sister. And it seems unlikely that anyone could or would have touched it. Wednesday the 10th of September 2003. Though it seems impossible to prove that the box is a direct cause of misfortune, we have definitely seen a tidal wave of bad luck. Strange odours now permeate the house. The dumpster out back overflows with trash and decay. One roommate suddenly got bronchitis and I broke a finger. Okay, so let me put it this way for you. So the dumpster is overflowed, is overflowing. So it isn't being collected. So let me guess, because their window sits above the bin, there's also a case of they're lazy as fuck and they don't get out of the house to actually do anything. So therefore, they're getting sick. Now, because obviously bronchitis stems from, you know, some kind of respiratory illness, the guy's probably an asthmatic. So then you have the case of, okay, so now because we haven't, you know, thrown any trash out or had it, you know, taken off like away, Essentially, he's broken his finger because he's had to lift his fat ass, you know, far out, and wow. then otherwise he's gone out to try and move some space in the bin to like put more trash in, and something fell and landed on his finger and broken his finger. The flies are there because obviously because you've got decomposing <laughs> organic matter. It's not a fucking dibic. What it is is just poor fucking sanitation. Yeah. So, jeez. Okay. Well, I hope you're ready because this is about to continue. Several mice have died in the engine of one car, and more electronic devices seem to be dying every day. This sounds this like one, a really, really, really bad Tide Pod challenge. This one, I feel, this box, I feel really sad about dying, and that's an Xbox. Yeah. <laughs> Toaster, TV, and watches. So what they've had is a power surge. Or, coincidentally, a lot of their batteries have died at the same time. Maybe this particular dibic in the box was actually an EMP, which was triggered by opening the box. Well, that's what they say, that a lot of phenomena needs to drain energy, right? Yeah. And it's the whole idea behind the depleted batteries, because that's uh, that's where they draw their energy from until they get stronger. So what is this, like a biochem lecture? No, that would be physics. Because that and drains. it's not that kind of lecture. <laughs> So, this is where the person says, I don't really want to talk about anything between September and January, but even though we've already listed this 3,000 word passage. So, I'll just say that I'm selling the box for now for a couple of reasons. One, around October 6th, October 6th I started feeling bad with trouble sleeping. This problem has persisted, persisted through today, everyone in lockdown. <laughs> I, I added that about us, as in, that's yeah. how we're living in lockdown. Two, I live alone now, and as of late, I have noticed replacing a lot of burnt-out light bulbs and getting many unusual car repairs. Transmission fluid was burned out of the reservoir. 
3. I've started seeing things, sort of like large vertical dark blurs in my peripheral vision. 4. I smelled something like juniper bushes. Or stingy ammonia in my garage often. And I have no idea what it's from. Most disturbingly, last Tuesday, 27th of the 1st, 2004, my hair began falling out. Today, Friday, it's about half gone. I'm in my early 20s and I just got a clean blood test back from the doctors. Maybe it's stress related. I don't know. Personally, I think it's male pattern baldness. Okay. What do I know? Here's also one other thing that I want to question. Half this shit, I know for a fact that, you know, if I walk into a building and I start smelling burning toast, one of two things is happening. One, you're having I, a stroke. Am I having a stroke? Also, which is a myth. Two, is a colleague like, you know, inducing a large amount of carbon into the kitchen? Um, three, am I suffering something like a temporal lobe seizure? Do I have the onset of Alzheimer's or fucking dementia? But, you know, all I know is, you know, good old phantosmia, whatever this fuck it is, you know, if you start smelling random shit where you shouldn't, you should probably go get that shit checked out because generally what it means, one... Mold. Mold. Uh, Aspergillus, always fun. People want to talk about the Black Plague. That shit's nasty. But if you start smelling random shit like ammonia, oh, I'm going to walk into what should be smelling like flowers. Wow, it smells like sulfur dioxide. You need mm. to have the gas man come and check yeah, some shit. Maybe get that shit checked. Like, just saying. Just, just, just. Uh, and if you need a tip, not that I'm, I haven't done it because I don't own a house to need to get tested, but allegedly what you should do is say you smell gas. And then they send someone straight away. Yeah. Hi, <laughs> I smell gas. Question, did you fart? No. Have you been cooking beans? No. Do you have eggs that have been in your fridge for more That's than seven months? That's not what they ask you. No. But you get what Do I mean. Do you have small children? Does someone need a <laughs> diaper change? Do you have a small dog which could be like a small camel? You know, stuff like this. Like, I know. I hear you, fam. I think, like, I've seen so many of these documentaries now. Ooh, oh, there's a little fleck of dust. Oh, we're haunted. Fucking hell. I've really stuffed with your psyche while you're making you watch this paranormal no, but it's, it's funny though, because you know the first thing that's going to happen when we see a ghost... Can I please... Oh, this is what I'm going to do. Oh, get okay. Can I please see your license and registration? You know, it's a case of... Can I just say that there are a lot more dead people when you, than there are living? When you really think right? about it... And all I'm saying... Planet Earth is a rotating compost bin. I think you mean cemetery, for <coughs> sure. Um, I don't want to be rude about people's beliefs and stuff. But all I'm going to say is, if there was something on the other side that was trying to contact us, whether it be from... Can you not do that right now? From no. behind... A va- no, because you'll shake the microphone. It'll be terrible. Extra sound paper. effects for the Get listeners. Get a soundboard. I will get a soundboard. All right, Google soundboards. Okay, I'm going to Google a soundboard. All I'm saying is we would... Supernatural There'd be a lot more of... There'd be a lot more crossover tri-effects is my thought. But it is what it is. Anyway, let's get back to this eBay listing. Anyhow, for personal reasons, I very strongly do not want this box anymore. I hope there's someone on eBay that will take this thing off my hands. I would just throw it away in the woods or something, but I know there has been some interest in it in the past. Uh. Again, they provide the original picture of the box. 
and these dickheads took a photo of the items in the box. Now all I'm saying to you is, if this shit was truly haunted, if paranormal photography was real, <laughs> we would see something yeah, would. in this picture. <laughs> oh, gosh. Yeah, these people fail. They fail big time. Okay. So, you know this person living with six people? And a cat that they're not aware of? That they don't have? Well, judging by the ammonia, there probably is a cat there. They just don't know of it. It's probably eating from the bin outside. Exactly. It's overflowing. That's, that's what's disturbing everything. And that's why there's mice everywhere. Or perhaps there's a family of raccoons. Maybe it's oh, like the fine. prequel to Guardians of the Galaxy. Who knows? Dude, I don't know. I am Groot. Yes, you are. You're the Grootest Groot I know. Groot, yes. Okay, so this person turns out... To be a charlatan. <laughs> okay. So, years pass. Eons pass. Not eons. This guy is suddenly named as Isaf Nietzsche. So what you're telling me is, in the in the in the year of our Lord twenty thirty, <laughs> all the Dybbuk posts are gonna fucking combine and form Voltron. Christ. <laughs> Vatican monster. <laughs> <laughs> anyway, so this guy. He was a student at Truman State University in Missouri, right? He jumped on buying, he wanted this box. This person, whose eBay listing I just read to you, right? Yeah. Um, and then after eight months, he had it for eight months, and then that's when he put the listing up. And then he sold this wine box to Jason Haxton, who is at the same university as him and who heard about this box because one of his students was friends with this guy. Yeah. Right? Uh, and was this guy's roommate. And so they did a deal and this guy thought, um, oh, look, maybe it's a historical puzzle. And Nietzsche was like, oh, I don't want to destroy it because what if it came from somewhere what if it was made for a reason what is it and why is it so he started to get all philosophical and shit but not philosophical and shit enough to keep it he wanted to sell it so jason haxton buys this box off him this is the person who lives with six people right who turned out to be a student and it turns out that this guy's a curator of the university of uh, museum of osteopathic medicine He also, on as a side hustle, liked to collect religious paraphernalia. And then, he's also the author of the book called The Dybbuk Box. That he wrote about with his experiences. Wow. And he has a website dedicated to The Dybbuk Box. Wow. Also, too, since this whole craze kicked in... Um, by now, this Dybbuk box should be worth at least a few thousand. At least, you know, what? Going 10 to 20,000. Must be. The sale, the resale value of this is amazing. The storytelling is quite substantial. You know, it keeps getting embellished. Root cause. I want you to remember 
He's your monetary drive. For the later. monetary drive, but also root cause. Yes. You can tell that it's being a little bit, uh, and ooh, but say for instance, if this was legit and the craziness was real, like real, real on point, this wouldn't be in an eBay listing. Uh, I'm pretty sure. What's the equivalent of the Jewish church? Um, oh, that's a good question. I am so fucking ignorant, but I'm technically Greek Orthodox, and I would like to think, not that I subscribe to the whole complete ideology, but I would like to think if the church found out that there was some weird Greek thing out there that had the potential to possess people, that the church would send someone, or a team of people, to acquire it. Like, I don't know, the Vatican? Well, essentially... The chief rabbinate of Israel. Would have to send a team. Yeah. Alright. We're getting into that later. But all I'm saying to you is, you'd think that if A, it existed... Yeah, so... uh... I feel like it would cause some rumblings in the spiritual world, right? That the rabbi would hear about. No? Or is that just me talking shit from movies I've seen? I don't know. But I'm just saying to you... I would like to think that if a Greek priest heard that there was an item, artifact, whatever out there, that had the potential to possess people, again, not that I'm saying I believe in the complete ideology, that he or would organise someone to collect that shit. Well, the way I see it, um, the chief rabbinate in Israel and, you know, Jerusalem would essentially be going okay well i'm not familiar with their hierarchy but i do know that they have um two chief rabbis either one of them or both of them would be organizing you know an investigation if it was in fact all i'm saying is look at the catholic church when they're doing freaking side hustles they're hiring the warrens whatever the hell their names are it's like as much as like if you have some kind of demonic possession but you're not gonna just let shit slide no. Hell no. No. That's what I'm saying to you, right? Or perhaps it's better for this to just, you know, stumble along on its own because... Well, guess what? Haxton suddenly gets a call from Zach Baggins, who's hosting an episode of Deadly Possessions. And you know what? Zach Baggins, like Bilbo Baggins, let's go for a wander through the Shire. Alright, so Zach Baggins ends up at the Shire in... Missouri. The Missouri Shire. And he says that he was nauseous when he first touched the box. Wow. He felt sick to his stomach and an ectoplasmic crud came out of him. Fucking ectoplasm! What the... What is this? Dan Aykroyd, like, having a coffee? It gets better. (laughs) And he experienced pain like he had been stabbed in the gut with a knife, like someone ripped it through him. Ripped his head off. <laughs> Ripped? They're gonna rip your head off. The... Wait till your father come home. I'm gonna rip... He's gonna rip your head off. The... You know what? I have to find that. Maybe Zach Baggins didn't have, uh, you know, his medication. The forty-two. Uh, the forty-three. Oh, oh yeah. Oh yeah. <laughs> oh yeah. Uh, fucking hell! It's like you know, the brain is gone. Yep, yeah, all this has happened. I know that this is, you know, you know. Uh, well, a dodgy dibic box. 
very, very dodgy to be box. I want to see this like on an episode of Ghostbusters. You know. So, the emotion. You ready? Yep. Yep, yep, here we go. <laughs> I love it. It's 40 seconds long, but it's worth it. It's worth and it. And it's called Sounds You Hear a Typical Ethnic Grandmother Make. Yep. Five years old. Oh, I haven't stopped. Seven days a week. Fifty ideas. Oh. Father, oh, come on. He's going to rip your head off the body. Rip. Oh, I think I got the wrong clip. No, I can't go. I can't walk. I have the broken foot. I can't go. You got it? The devil's free fiction. I'll take one for it so that I can fall free now. Yeah. It's it my first and last boyfriend. Not like the blood for the others, bloody sluts. So here's the thing, like, you know, say for instance, if this was like a really, really elderly ghost. You know, <laughs> elderly ghost. Elderly ghost haunting this, you know, Dybbuk box. And that was the sound that came out of it. <laughs> I shit myself too. That, like that sound, you'd be like... Fair enough. Imagine that, just open the box. <laughs> Oh, I'd be like, oh my god. Okay, yep, putting it back, you know, we'll just leave Anyway, so, um, Haxton says, oh, I coughed up blood. (laughs) I choked when I first touched the box too. Oh, I also experienced other health problems since being in possession of the box like constant coughing, fatigue and a metallic taste in my mouth, and persistent nasal problems. And he said that after touching the box for the first time, he woke up and his eyes were bleeding, and he broke out in hives, and he had head-to-toe welts on the same day as touching the box for the first time. He also claimed he experienced paranormal activity in the presence of the box, and that the box almost turned into a liquid state when touched, and he seen strange lights and shadows, and frequently, frequently experienced phantom scents of cat urine and jasmine. Mm. And then you know what? Haxton decides to leave the box in a storage unit outside his home too. How convenient. Yeah, I know, right? Also, you know the original owner of the box? His name was Kevin Manis. <laughs> Do you want to know how he spells his surname? M A N N I S. Oh, God. That was very scary for me. Yeah. Because my surname is very close to that. But anyway, that's a different. So, just like the first owner who bought it from the estate sale and left it in a storage unit, this guy decides to conveniently do the same thing. Uh, there we go. And then he keeps it in this storage unit outside his house for a while. And then he begins to wonder if something could be wrong with the story that he heard from the previous owners of the box and its origins and its history. This is a quote for that he said in the show, the episode. He noticed several small details that could prove the history of it to be false. However, he needed to close these loopholes before he could write the book he was planning. For example, there were similarities between Manus's mother and Havela. Both ladies were Jewish and died at the age of 103. In his desire to investigate, he called Kevin Manis, who was the original owner, to ask him more questions about how he came across the box. 
So the story is now starting to get more interesting. Someone's writing a book. Obviously, you got to make it. There's at least got to be something like fantastical about it now. Let me guess. It, it, it's actually, you know, stems from like a plague or a war or some kind of, you know, sort of subjugation of a population where people have survived, blah, blah, blah. You know, Michael, it's about to get a lot more fucked up than that. Ah, ah Joyce. Okay. What, what you just said, escalate it. Literally. You hold on to your seat, buddy. We're getting there. Sweet, I get to hold on to my seat. So then, this the original owner, who's he's the son of the mother who had a stroke, right? His name's Kevin Manis, like I said, and he decides he wants to go to Haxton's house, and they're going to research this together to see if they can get answers. And so they magically are able to contact the granddaughter of the original original owner of the box who got it in Spain. Right? And brought it to America. Her name is Havella. The granddaughter's name is Havella. And then they say that the original... The woman who brought it over from Spain, her name is Sophie. Yeah. Right? So Havella's grandmother is Sophie. Yeah. So. Sophie... Sorry, that can't be right now because they've changed and twisted the names. Hold on. Let me read that again. I think they fucked it up in their own story, right? I'm pretty certain the woman who brought it over from Spain's Havila, right? The grandmother? I'm pretty certain her name's Havila. So this is what I'm saying to you. This shit don't make no fucking sense. This shit don't make no fucking sense. I think the grandmother's Havila and the granddaughter's Sophie. That's how we're going to go. with. We're going to roll with this until we're proven otherwise, all right? So anyway... Um, so Sophie, the granddaughter, says that, uh, Havila and her cousin were one day, um, bored in Poland. And so what they decided to do was have a seance. Oh, here we go. Some people say it's a Ouija board. Some people say it was just a sense. I call it supernatural Uber. (laughs) So anyway, they somehow either conjured or attracted this Dybbuk spirit. Oh, it's like playing Jenga, but in reverse. Well, at least these girls were smart enough to realise that they needed to trap this spirit Um. in something... So they trapped it inside this wine box, right? Now, I need to ask you a question. Remember how she escaped from the concentration camp? Uh Uh-huh. Made her way to Spain. She was a sole survivor of her family. Bought the wine box in Spain. Uh Uh-huh. And then came to America. How could she, with her cousin, who's not supposed to exist, conjure or do some sort of ritual that attracts this Dybbuk spirit? Yeah. How? It don't make no fucking sense. 
Right. No dots connection. Exactly. No dots. No dots connecting. So then, the granddaughter gets very upset, starts apologising to the guy she sold it for, Kevin, at the estate sale. And he was like, why are you so upset? And she's like, oh, because my grandmother believed that the spirit that she and her cousin summoned were the cause of the Second World War. And then I did some research. And you know how they, Unlike them. And you know how they were like, oh, it always happened in starting in September? You know what also started in September? World War Two. There you go. So did they deliberately choose that timeline? I think so. Or is that just a coincidence within the story, whether it be fabricated or true? I don't know. But here's the thing, though. World War Two wasn't supernatural. It was, it was man-made. Of course. But these poor girls, according to the legend of the story, believe that they conjured the Dybbuk and that that's the reason why World War Two occurred. Kicked off. Right. So then Haxton, not Kevin who bought it at the estate sale, not the kid who bought it off the guy who bought it at the estate sale, but the next the next person down the line who bought it from the kid, you know, the one who's the curator. Yeah. He's like, um, let's do some more research. And um, he found that Harry Hamilton... Laughlin was this was who was known for the role in this massive eugenics movement, which helped inspire Hitler and this is me just reading, and yeah. others to attempt to eliminate any races or people that he considered to be inferior. And then, intrigued by the paranormal phenomena apparently caused and surrounding the box, Huxton decided to have it looked at by a specialist in Jewish artifacts named Rebecca Edry. And Rebecca was determined to be determined that this box was a sacred relic meant for imprisoning a spirit. Right. Um, and then she said in the show, Haxton has taken a rather intelligent and academic approach to understanding the box. He has enlisted the help of scientists, paranormalists, cabalists, and Wiccans to put the box into a more manageable state so he can help keep it. He believes the force containing the cabinet is neutral, but plays off who comes into contact with it. Its ultimate goal is to understand and reveal truth, and what it was seeking was the right owner to help it. Now, my problem with that statement is, what the hell is a Wiccan going to do to a, a Jewish spirit? Exactly. It's, it's a completely different branch off the religious tree. Yeah, completely different. It's like them putting the crosses on the ones we're going to talk about later (laughs) on the eBay front. Um, And then Haxton was like, oh, I consulted several rabbis and mystics. We performed lots of rituals on the box to seal the Dybbuk inside again. But if you've already opened it hundreds of times, if the cabinet's been opening itself at the sister's house... You've been... At the kid's house with his six roommates... It's she's gone. It may not even be attached to the box anymore. No, it's already been released. It's gone. Right now, it's just superstition. It doesn't make sense. It would have possessed someone. Yeah, you're not gonna freaking leave your vessel, go into and your then come body, back. do what you came out to do, 
and then be like, oh, I'm gonna go back in my box now. No. Your 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 entity has either searched its, you know, completed your goal. It doesn't want to be in a box. It doesn't make uh, anyway. Again, I I don't know this shit. My mum's gonna be listening to this and think that I do some really weird pagan bullshit. She's gonna be like, oh my god. What you you just googled some stuff on the internet. Anyway, um, Jesus Christ. So this medium, a psychic medium, right, said that she sensed death and fear surrounding the box. And that when she touched the box... I think that was fear of sounding like a complete moron. She felt a stabbing pain in her left ribs and her head. She believes that those were sensations that had something to do with the original owner of the box. And then Haxton somehow uh, eventually constructs an ark of Acadia wood lined with 24 karat gold to replicate the Ark of the Covenant, which was put in place to secure the Dybbuk inside to keep it subdued and then stashed it in his den for a time. And then he placed it in a military-grade shockproof container and buried it in a secret location, which he at the time refused to reveal to anyone. For the right price, though. I am going to nor confirm nor deny, but I'm about to tell you in five minutes. So he, for a time, refused to discuss the box with anyone. He evaded all questions. He pretty much stopped updating his website. He refused. He like didn't re- respond to anyone's emails. Um, and then he did this show after Zach Baggins contacted him. And then in the show, he was like adamant that he buried it in the military box for five years. Um, it was somewhere, so he didn't specify where specifically, but his secret location was somewhere on his 25 acre land property. Right. Um, and then so he bring, so he allegedly digs this box out. In its military shockproof grade, military grade shockproof container, takes it from Missouri all the way to where's Zach's museum, Tech, uh, Vegas. Yeah. That to me, knowing my geography of America, that's at easily like two thirds of the third to two thirds of the country. Yeah. Why didn't right? you just fly in a plane? Because it probably would have fucking brought the plane down, dude. Mm. It's a big plane. You know how much it's going to cost? Too much. You can't put that in your bloody luggage. Let's carry on. You yep. can't carry on that. Jesus Christ. What are you thinking? You know how much money you have to pay if you go on overseas and you're in, on a plane, rather, anywhere, and your luggage is over 20 kilos? I think he was worried about having a wardrobe malfunction. <laughs> if it was wardrobe, we'd have less of a problem. Judging by that box, he was drawing straws. So anyway, transports it from Missouri to Vegas, where Zach Baggins Hall the museum is. And then he's like, you know, Zach, I feel quite apprehensive bringing the box into the museum because I normally avoid disturbing the box at all. He says after he's had allegedly all these people <laughs> touch the box. Oh, look. Oh, I've, I've set, Paranormalist this, I've set this table of smarties exactly as how I want them. Everyone comes <laughs> in and eats and messes around. Shit, I better just move whatever's left into this and transport here. Oh, no. Oh, nothing was disturbed. Blag. So Baggins is like, do you think that there's an evil... So Zach's like, do you think that there's like an evil spirit in the box? And Haxton's like, evil can happen anywhere. It just depends on how it's used. And then Zach's like, well, why do you think the box isn't all bad? And he's like, 
you know, if you buried it in a military cabinet, in a box, in a field, like, you must think it's bad. And he's like, not all wishes come true the way you want them to come true. And I'm like, what does that even mean? The Christmas, I want a bike. But instead I got a loaf of bread. Coincidentally, the day that the episode aired was allegedly the day of uh, the lady who had the stroke in her son's... Like, it was her birthday, like, her an- the anniversary of her having a stroke. Like, yep. Right? Um, but earlier, remember how she wasn't going to be in town? Her birthday was on the 28th, and he gave it to her on the 31st? Yeah. So what's the situation? Mm, there's a change. Someone's forgetting their uh, facts. So then, Zach says, well, what do you think we know? What? How you... Do you think someone's died around it? And Haxon's like, oh, look, I don't know. Apparently, um, there was a man dead outside sitting in a chair over the Dybbuk box. And I'm like, what are you talking about? Like, what dead man? Wow. Do we call that body of evidence? No, but I'm just saying to you, if you're saying, if you're telling me that you've stored it in the ground people, in your house and, people like the and no one it. knew Why would you move it? It doesn't make sense. It doesn't. It's like... Ooh. I don't know what to tell you, dude. I don't know what to tell you. And anyway, so they continue filming the episode and then they ask Kevin Manis, the guy who bought it again at the estate sale from the granddaughter, and they're like, hey, um, do you want to come into this room alone with the Dybbuk box? We'll set up a camera and um, we'll just see what phenomena occurs and we'll just record it for the show. And this guy's like, look, I haven't seen it for 10 to 12 years. Um, Sure, why not? So he walks into the basement of Zach's museum and he opens the cabinet and then at the same time, lights in a separate room allegedly flickered. Um, And then he shuts the doors again and then he starts wandering around the room He faces the wall at the back of the room and then the camera records a bang and Kevin starts to pace and he looks restless and then he begins speaking in a monologue or rhyme and then this is supposed to make us think that he's been possessed by the Dybbuk and the Dybbuk is saying these words. Light from the hallway crept into my room along with a shadow man too, I assume. Never before had I seen such a form that could change as a canvas flame flicks in a storm. Light as a monkey crept in on his knees, and he perched on the edge of my bed, if you please. I could hear in the darkness till you fall asleep, then I come to your dreams with a promise to keep. From the night, time till morning, I'll torment your soul. I tried to tremble, I covered my head, and took flight. He deep in my closet, peered out with delight. I'd just about fallen asleep when it started. It began when I felt something under the bed coming as a stench from the shadow man's breath filled the air and the silence was broken one inch from my ear as the shadow man whispered, my boy, I'm right here. And then so Kevin starts muttering, laughing, making weird noises and starts speaking in tongues. And then Zach and his team rush in there and they're like, oh my God, we don't know what we're saying. We're going to try and snap you out of it. And then they ask if Kevin's okay. And he's like, yeah, I'm fine. You know, I was just by the furnace in the basement. And I just saw a little bit of activity happening. 
Um, and he said he saw, while he, you know, in that room with the box, he's like, oh, I saw wispy manifestations um, that happened to occur just out of the camera's view, coincidentally, conveniently. You know what I mean? Because yeah. you just have one camera, but whatever the hell. Yeah. And then Kevin's like, look, I don't think that this stupid box is something that you should play with. Um, and apparently he was quite shaken up. And so Zach and his team allegedly came out then and said, look, we heard other voices in the basement when Kevin stopped talking. But Kevin said he didn't hear these voices himself. Apparently that's also on video footage. Um, and then if you watch the episode, apparently after Kevin comes out of the basement, he and Haxton are also taken to visit a synagogue and to speak to a rabbi. And the rabbi says that Kevin suffered a coughing fit and needed to leave. Right. Yeah. Almost insinuating as if he had been possessed and cough, cough, right? And so Haxton's like, you know, I believe that the spirit possessing the box is on a mission to show them the truth that the, the, like, that the spirit has about the Holocaust. So we jump forward and Zach Baggins, he really wanted this box. Um, he wanted this box almost as much as he wanted to buy the Warrens. Yeah. Um, family museum. Yeah. But the, the son-in-law is like, never mind dead body, allegedly. Yeah. So he bought it for an amount that was allegedly tens of thousands of dollars, according to TMZ. Um, but again, no amount. Like, unless you saw a money transfer. Yeah, it's, all, gonna it's know. all conjecture. And Zach says, look, I plan on showcasing it in my haunted museum, but I'm going to be displaying it closed and not open, which was in fact true up until quite recently. We're going to get onto that in a sec. And so apparently, say that we went to, I went to Zach, Zach's museum. If I wanted to be part of the tour that shows the Dybbuk box, I have to be over 18 years old, check, and I have to sign a waiver. Right. I don't know what the waiver details. Yeah. You'd have to, I'd have to go there to find out. Um, set up a Patreon. Yeah. <laughs> send, <laughs> send Steph on a plane. Yeah. <laughs> Not going to happen. But um, either way, there's pictures of Zach looking at this stupid box lovingly behind... What does that look like? Glass? Perspex? Perspex. We don't know. So, there was a thing that... post. So, Post Malone... Is good friends with Zach Baggins. Yeah. And so um, he took Posty through his museum and... He took Posty through the Mosty. And he has security cameras in, obviously, all the rooms of his museum. And um, they put they gave TMZ footage, as you do, of... Have you seen it? I... Yeah. He's... Yeah. So basically what happens is... They're in the room. Um, Zach's taken the the casing off it. Zach is there, like there. It's just him and Post in the room. The door's like three quarters closed. Zach touches it. Post's like, dude, what are you doing? There's no audio. It's just the video footage in the dark, right? So it's black and white. Post like, dude, are you okay? like? You can tell he's. I don't know what he's saying, but you can tell he's like asking him, he's everything, okay. He swings open the door, it opens inward, and then he touches Zach to kind of like shake him out of it. Yeah. Right. Zach lifts his arm and then in a trance pulls away from post, steps back, 
walks to the back wall and Post is like, I ain't having any of this. And he's like making his way to the door and he's like, oh. Zach's yeah. freaked out. Post's freaked out. And he's like, you can tell he's trying to get through to Zach. So he walks back. He's holding, what is that? I don't know. Is that a beer? <laughs> Looks like a beer, yeah. And so they walk around it. So you can tell that Zach is back. And then Post is like really trying to get through to Zach. And then, so they're talking. And then something else happens. And then they both run out of the room. And Post is pushing Zach out of the room. So they allegedly saw something in the room with them. Yeah. Right? Okay. Then, this whole thing came out that Post Malone had been cursed by the Dybbuk box. No, here we go. Because um, his private plane nearly crashed. A house that he had recently sold and moved out of was raided by armed men. And he was a car accident where he was T-boned and he almost, like, he could have died. And it all happened within a few weeks after this Dybbuk box experience. And so, apparently, just because he didn't touch the box himself, the spirit could have channeled through Zach Baggins from the wine cabinet, the Dybbuk box, through Zach... And when, because he was touching the box when Post Malone touched him to shake him out of it, to ask him if he was okay. Yeah. Right? So, apparently, according to Zach Baggins, who's allegedly an expert in this field, says that that's enough of a channel to affect Post Malone. And then he said that um, Post Malone was walking out of the, the haunted museum and he saw shadow figures walking after them. So now we get to the theories. And we're almost done, I promise. Um, if you can't tell that we're already sceptics, um, the story has no verification. Uh, these are all alleged owners. Some people, such as a student, haven't really been tracked down and their story is verified. Um, the original, like the person who bought it at the estate sale again, Kevin, he said that uh, he reportedly received from the relatives of, you know, the previous owner's statement was never verified. Um, so the granddaughter, no one's spoken to the granddaughter. Kevin Manis, at the time, was an aspiring writer. Yep. He wrote a book about his experience with the Dybbuk box. And that's what was based around the source material for the film that we watched, that we love. Does that not wreck the movie for you? See... You know, the possession? Yeah, see, it's funny because the possession, like when you really look at it... It was the ring. It, it was like the ring, but... No, it, it was the ring. The item was the ring. Yeah. But it was like a, a oh my comedy... God. I don't know if you guys can hear that, but there's wind outside and it's turned like yeah. end of the world yellow. Yeah, it could be the Dybbuk. Someone's Dude, the can Dybbuk. you... Don't fucking do that. <laughs> it's don't the, fuck with shit like that. It's for the listeners. The listeners need this. Michael, they want seriously, this. it's dark. I can hardly see you except for the light shining on your face. My eyes, Dude. <laughs> 
I don't. I'm a lemon. You will be a lemon when I'm done with you. Anyway, so he wrote this story. He's obviously profited off it. Um, there's also the common argument against the existence of cursed objects, you know, about curses and hauntings and exaggeration of unfortunate stories and unlucky events and cause and effect. You know what I mean? Just because yeah. there's cause, co- doesn't mean there's correlation. Um, doesn't mean that something's cursed, haunted, or a demon. Um, apparently Chris French, who's part of the, uh, animalist, as in anomalistic, uh, psychology research unit at Goldsmiths yep. College said that um, they were already primed to be looking out for bad stuff. If you believe you've been cursed, then inevitably you explain the bad stuff that happens in terms of what you perceive to be the cause. Put like this, I would be happy to own this object. So I'm sorry, but if someone from a research unit in the field of anomalies is saying, is insinuating something's a bit exaggerated. I'm going to take that specialist's yeah. view. If he's saying it ain't nothing, I'm going to say it ain't nothing. But again. <laughs> so yes, uh, Jason Taxon says, look, I don't know if the box is neutral or good or evil. I just believe it was designed and equipped to move a person toward their innermost desire or wish. Um, and then whatever the wish is for that person, it could be good or bad. Um, if there is a mysterious force with the box possessed, you know, in vesseling, uh, it's not clear what it wants, and so on and so forth. And Jason Haxon says that, you know, it's just about the person. He makes it sound like it's about, like, a positive and negative energy. So if you're a negative person, the box is going to, or the entity within the box will make you do negative things. Or if you're a positive person, the box will only bring you positive stuff. Yeah. And so on and so forth. Um, so yeah, ultimately the the cabinet itself exists, whether it's a dippet box or otherwise. I'm, all I'm going to say is if it was a legitimate item, you can't tell me that a chief rabbi would no. not grab that thing. Yeah. So, I don't know if you guys know about this, but there's a lot of dark web, sorry, dark web unboxings. So people buying allegedly boxes from the dark web and unboxing them, right? That was a trend for a while, even though they're not really from the dark web. (laughs) That was all a sham. True. But then came to be Dybbuk box unboxings. So these are... I'm going to say fake, but you can watch the YouTube. There are literally hundreds. Yeah, no. It's the same people. I'm not going to give them any attention um, on their names and stuff. But all I'm saying to you... Oh, except for the paranormal files, official paranormal files. They... You have to watch that video. I know it's long, but it's worth it. Um, And I'm not saying... The way they handle it is... We question their integrity today, but years ago when they made that video, it's... Like, they take a stance very similar to the one we're taking right now. Yeah. Um, but, yeah, the movie's a good movie. Um, the listings are very weird. And, again, they put shit in them and on them that have nothing to do with the alleged no. Jewish mythology. So, no. for example, they like to sell them smeared with wax. Yeah. 
Yeah. And they say, oh, they're unopened, so you're just buying a box, and even if there's nothing in there, you expect there to be nothing in there. Yeah. And some people get really artsy-craftsy, and they like to set, which I think is quite rude in itself, but they set a crucifix yeah. on the box, and it's like, so you're putting a Christian icon on a box that has, an, or, you know, on something that's attached to a mythology that is not Christian. That doesn't make sense. No, it doesn't. But that is it. That's that. That's all I have for you today. Yeah, go, watch, go watch The Position. The Possession. The Position. Um, Sam Raimi, uh, 2012. Yeah. Um, look, it is what it is. Mm. I, I think it's we made our standpoint quite clear. Yeah. Um, if you would like... To, oh, Jesus Christ. I just whacked and dragged my nails right across Good the table job. there. Uh, if there's a specific topic you would like us to cover for you, we have a topic request form. You can listen to us on Apple Podcast, Castbox, Castro, Google Podcast, Listen Notes, Luminary, Player FM, Podbean, Podchaser, Public Radio. Oh, sorry, Radio Public. You can subscribe via email. Uh, you can also listen to us on Spotify, Stitcher, Swoot, TuneIn, Overcast. We re-upload in a video format on YouTube. We're also on Instagram, Twitter, or you can email us at controllersandcouches at gmail.com. Uh, he is Full Metal Chicken. Yes, I am. I am Steph Afar. Thank you so much for listening. Yeah, enjoyed that. Um, it was a bit more medium-sized podcast. Hope you liked it. Let us know what you think, what your stance on it all is. Spooky haunted toaster. Spooky scary skeletons. Get and a toaster. down your spine. Yes. Um, Spleen. May the force be with you. Live long and prosper. And also with you. Go watch Ghostbusters too. Yeah. For all your Ghostbusting needs. All right, thank you for listening, everyone, and you shall hear from us in the next one. And we be off. Bye-bye. Signing off. Bye bye.